You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. I'm going to read the passage I want to speak from, but the the band have done just an amazing job at setting this beautiful passage up. And let me read it to you. It's from Hebrews chapter 12. It says these amazing words. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen? Why don't you take a seat and thank the band as they go. Thank you to get with Fantastic today. Wonderful. The person who wrote these words was writing to a Christian community that were, that were feeling the pressure a little bit. They had made a decision to follow Jesus. They were running after him, but stuff that was going on around them was making maybe their decision to follow Jesus, it was bringing it into a little bit of question. And they were under significant pressure to even consider not running after Jesus, not looking at Jesus, and maybe they were looking at other things. They were being distracted by the world around them, by the world behind them, and by the world in front of them. And the writer to the Hebrews writes to this group of people in order to encourage them to keep running. And one of the big ideas that he gives to them in this beautiful, beautiful letter that he writes is that whatever, whatever you're facing, Jesus is enough. Whatever you're going through, Jesus is enough. Whatever you think you had before Jesus, Jesus is better than anything you ever had. And so he's encouraging them not to give up the hope they have, not to throw in the towel, as it were, not to stop running the race. But as we read together, he says, run that race with perseverance. But he doesn't just tell us to run. He tells us to run with our eyes fixed on the goal. And this makes all the difference to the race. We're not just running. We're not just persevering. But actually, the writer to the Hebrews says this, fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, the the simplicity of that statement almost sort of underwhelms the profundity of that statement. This is an an amazing, life-changing statement for every single person in this room because ultimately we follow our focus and what we're looking at, we will follow with our lives. And the writer to the Hebrews knows a really simple idea. It's so simple, we almost miss the profundity. He knows this, that if you take your eyes off Jesus, you're not gonna finish. 
That's it. But he knows this, that if we keep our eyes on Jesus, whatever is going on in the race, whatever is going on in the moment, we are going to make it to the end. And I want to say this right at the beginning. Whatever our vision is, whatever our vision is, for you as an individual, and I know even for this great church, CLM, whatever our vision is, Jesus must remain at the center of it. Jesus must be the reason we are running as followers of Jesus. Because if any other reason gets into our vision and gets into our focus, then the chances are we're not going to run as well as we could. And actually the chances are we won't finish the race that he has called us to run. They were being distracted by one thing and another. And the writer to the Hebrews gives them a simple but profound idea. Fix your eyes. Now, I love what the NIV uh, says there and how it phrases it. Another way of phrasing it would be looking onto. And the idea behind looking onto is that you're looking away from something. To look at something, you have to look away from something else. And the writer to the Hebrews is trying to get these Christians to look away from the stuff that is distracting them the stuff that is harassing them, the stuff that is hurting them, the stuff that is wounding them. And he's saying, fix your eyes, look to Jesus. Take your eyes off that and look at him because when you look at him, everything changes. Now I know that sounds really simple. I know that sounds almost like sort of too simple, but it is the simplicity of this that carries its profundity. We get very complicated about being a follower of Jesus. There are lots of things we have to think about, lots of conversations we have, lots of challenges that we're facing. But when we distill it all down, it really comes down to this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. And I have been in Christian ministry for coming up 36 years in the context of getting to serve Jesus full time. What we mean by that is you sort of get paid to do it sort of thing. And I've had the joy of doing that. And every single time, without exception, someone has stopped running their race. Without exception, it has been because they have taken their eyes of Jesus. Now that's not a judgment. Of course it's not. My goodness, we're all facing amazing challenges in our world, but that shows the power of this. When I take my eyes off him and I look at you, I'm in danger. When I take my eyes off him and I look at the pain, I'm in danger. When I take my eyes off him and I look at the challenge, I'm in danger. If I take my eyes off him and I look at what my life could have been or should have been or what I gave up for him, I'm in danger. And actually the writer to the Hebrews is saying in the context of running your race, keep your eyes fixed on him. Why? Because he's the one who originated your faith, the author, and he's the perfecter and the finisher of that faith. And actually, if anyone can help me and you not only run our race, but get to the end of our race, then it is Jesus who also, by the way, ran his race and finished his race on our behalf. We are being called to make a deliberate and intentional decision to look at Jesus. 
This is why I love, and I love what we've done this morning, and although we've had, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, many elements to our service today, what I've loved is everything has a Jesus centricity to it. In the songs that we sang, Jesus was at the center. There's no, so, there's no, there's no uh, danger that a visitor could come in here and wonder, who are we singing about? Come on. People should never enter a church building and meet a church community and leave and wonder, who were we singing to? Right? Why? Because we are fixing our eyes on Jesus. And as the band led us today, here's what they're training us to do. They're training us in the midst of all the stuff we're going through and all the stuff we're facing and all the millions of things that are on our to-do list. They're training us for a few glorious moments to take our eyes off all of that stuff and look directly at him. Because here's what I've discovered. When we look at him, all of that other stuff looks different. It may not change but it looks different. It can even feel different. Why? Because our eyes are on him. And it sounds so simple and it sounds so easy. And at one level, it is simple and it is easy, but it is also profound. And the older I am getting as a follower of Jesus and the more I am serving Jesus and the more I'm going on in my life with Jesus, the more I realize this is something I have to deliberately and intentionally do every single day. Don't assume that it's going to, but make a decision. Today, I'm going to look at him. Today, I'm going to fix my eyes on him. Today, I'm going to make sure that whatever else I am looking at or whatever else is trying to get my attention, I'm going to make sure that my eyes are glued to him. Because when they're on him, everything else looks different. And when they're off him, everything else looks different. It's looking at him that makes the difference. And I want to encourage you with just a couple of ideas from this amazing little passage. This first three verses leading us into some incredible encouragement from the writer to the Hebrews, that actually fixing our eyes on Jesus is so, so important. Here's, here's the first reason. Fixing our eyes on Jesus is vital. Why? Because it teaches us what true joy is. Look what it says in our passage. Who for the joy set before him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible like that, I want to know What's the joy? That's the sort of question we should be asking, right? What is the joy? Because I would like to be a person of joy. I'd like to be a person with some joy in my life and some joy in my world. So when it says to me, fix your eyes on Jesus, and then it starts to give me reasons, and the first reason it gives me for, for fixing my eyes on Jesus is this, that Jesus, for the joy set before him, so what is this joy that is being set before him? Well, the danger is we read into the, the next bit of the verse and it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And most people assume that the joy is the cross, but the joy is not the cross because the joy at the cross is about to be endured. There's a joy before the cross that enables the cross to be endured. The joy of Jesus was not being brutally executed on the cross. 
one, one would have a very interesting outlook on life if that was your joy. Come on. I, I, I'm a human. I, I don't like pain of any description. Even the thought of pain. You know, if I was captured behind enemy lines and tied to a chair and they just pulled a sharp instrument out, I'd confess to anything they wanted me to confess to. What do you want me to say? Give me the page. I'll sign right now because I'm a wimp. I, I don't like the idea of pain. The thought that pain would be your joy. What? Come on, people. The joy is not the cross. The joy is something before the cross. What's going on that Jesus has a joy here? And this joy is literally led before him. It's a beautiful expression that in the, in the language of the writer to the Hebrews, it's like, it's literally put down in front of him, led in front of him, and then Jesus picks up the joy. Last, last night we were uh, watching, went into Scunthorpe to watch the, the turning on of the Christmas lights. It just doesn't feel right in November. But we went in and we watched the turning on of the Christmas lights. And uh, there was my oldest daughter and Dan, her husband, and Abigail, our granddaughter, uh, Dawn and myself. And we took the two sausage dogs in as well, pepperoni and salami, because they're into Christmas. So we took them in and we were sort of walking around. After the, after the magnificent switching on of the lights in Scunthorpe. Was that on the news? Amazing event. I'm sure it was a national event. Incredible. We, we went to find some food and we found a local fish and chip shop that was still open. And do you know what? Do you know when you catch the smell of fish and chips? And you know you shouldn't, but you really want to. And so we, we bought some fish and chips and we were sitting outside. I had a, like a benched area where we were all sitting and, and Dawn had asked for a fish and I, I got her a fish with extra vinegar on it and all of that sort of stuff. And I set down her fish on the table and pepperoni, our sausage dog, was on her knee. And he assumed that what was laid before him was his joy, right? And as I laid the fish in front of Dawn, Pepperoni reached for it as if to say, thanks very much, Merry Christmas to everyone. And he literally snapped at it. And if Dawn hadn't have had a hold of him, the fish would have been in the dog. Um, but, but as it was laid in front of him, <laughs> that became his joy. That's what he wanted. That's the idea here of this word. The, the word literally is something is put in front of Jesus that Jesus is invited to take up. Now, what's he being invited to take up? Here's what he's being invited to take up. Here's his joy. His joy is to do the will of the Father. That's it. That's it. Whatever that will is, now we're going to have a look at what that will was in just a moment, but whatever that will is, his joy is to do the will of the Father. The Father has put his will on the table and Jesus has willingly voluntarily and joyfully picked up that will and followed it. Jesus said, using the food analogy, Jesus said in another part of the Gospels, he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Why is it important to fix our eyes on 
Jesus. Because Jesus teaches us that actually the greatest joy that we have is to do the will of the Father that's right in front of us. Not to do our own will, not to walk our own way, not to follow and pursue our own ambition, though those things may be very, very important, but to actually lift up our eyes, lift up our hearts, and say to our Father, what do you want? What do you want in my life? Whatever you put in front of me, I will do. And I love the, the passage that, that Martin read when, when uh, Pam Billy was being prayed for and, and brought in, that elders are called to serve not because they have to, not because they're being forced to, not because arms are being twisted up their back, not because there's a salary on the table, but they are serving out of a passionate love for God and a passionate love for his people. And actually, ultimately, uh, the joy here, whatever the circumstances of the joy, the joy here is to do the will of the Father. And when we settle that, everything else we're about to look at is locked and loaded. And as followers of Jesus, we're being called to a place of wanting the will of the Father, of embracing the will of the Father, and of understanding that for a human, listen to me now, for a human, that's the greatest privilege and joy that we could possibly have. To do the will of him who calls us and has sent us. And here's what I've discovered. When I take my eyes off Jesus, that joy disappears. Because then life becomes about me. And I'm very hard to satisfy. And actually my, my, my will becomes about doing something for me. And actually, we understand, if we're really honest, we understand the more inward looking we are, the less joy we tend to have. And there's a principle here that if we're prepared to lift up our eyes and understand that His will is our joy, then the next bits, which were a bit more difficult, become doable. Are you with me? Jesus teaches us that his joy is the will of the Father. Jesus teaches us that when we fix our eyes on him, we learn to understand that the will of the Father is our joy. Does that make sense to you? All right, hold that thought as we go to the next bit then. Fixing our eyes on Jesus is vital because Jesus teaches us that when our joy is his will, we can endure. When we hear the word endure, there's usually not many amens in the room. Even just the sound of the word endure. Right? Look what it says, who for the joy set before him. Now note this carefully, Christian. Note this. Endured the cross. Now note that. The Bible doesn't say for the joy set before him. He enjoyed the cross. Listen to me carefully. Some of you won't like this, but it's absolutely true. The greatest act of love the world has ever seen was endured. Yeah. 
And Jesus endured it, went through with it, because it's the will of the Father. The word endured there, wow. It pops up three times in the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 12. uh, Some translations slightly change the word just for a bit of poetic flow. Uh, within that. But actually, when it says, let us run with perseverance in verse 1, that's the noun version of this word. And it literally means to remain under. That's what the word means. If you were looking for a picture of this word, it's the idea of staying under. So you've been asked to do something and you stay under the call of that thing. Whatever that thing is, whatever you've been asked to do, whatever you've started to do, perseverance Endurance is the decision to stay under it. Okay, you're with me? So in verse one, it says that us run with perseverance or another way of translating that would be endurance. And then it says of Jesus that he endured the cross, verse two. And then it says in verse three that actually he endured the criticism, the abuse of of the people around him, but finished what he had to do. Three times in three verses, the idea of endurance is put on the table. And that probably means because it's really important. Can I say this? And, And this isn't the most attractive thing for anyone to say to you, but sometimes the will of God following Jesus, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus means you just endure it. There are moments when it doesn't feel joyful, when it doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel easy. There's no immediate kickback for you. There's no blessing immediately on the table. There are moments, even for some of us, little seasons where you just have to get up every day and here's what you do. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And when you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, here's what you do. You remain under. You remain under. You just keep going. Why? Because it's the right thing. Because it's the right direction. Because it's the right road. Because you know deep down this is the right thing to do. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. It's not giving us maybe immediate satisfaction in the context of our world. But with our eyes fixed on Jesus, we keep going. And there are moments when just keeping going is victory. Come on. It is. And the problem with the modern church, can I just say this is, and I love the church, I, I live for the church, and I would die for the church. So this is a comment made by someone who's 100% committed to the church, the greatest thing in the universe that Jesus has created. But the problem with the modern church is, ladies and gentlemen, that actually we're, 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 we're pushing at people an instantaneous experience many times. That actually God can give you this, God will give you that, God will do this, God will do that. It'll always, you will be the most prosperous person person in the room. Life will always work out for you. Now, I know that's that's an extreme view, but I hear it so often. But here's the problem with that. The minute something goes wrong, the minute something doesn't work out, the minute God doesn't do what I asked him to do, we're, we're running for the hills. Our eyes are off Jesus and we're off on a different path. And that's why we're called to fix. Fix. Is Jesus God or not? Fix. Is Jesus the author or not? Fix. Is Jesus the completer of our faith or not? Fix. Is Jesus the son of God? Fix. Is Jesus the savior of the world? Fix. No matter what's going on around me, fix. 
And even in the moments when it sucks, even in the moments when it's awful, we keep going. I, I, I spend a lot of time in a car. Last year, 20,000 miles on the roads of the United Kingdom. And I did a journey in October from Landidno in North Wales to Margate. Now, you can get to Australia quicker, really, by just like, do you know what I mean? So uh, my, my sat-nav was saying six and a half hours, but I looked at the route, M6. <sighs> That's like, I'm sure Chris Rea was on the M6 when he wrote. <sighs> and in the M25, oh, there's a road. And I'm in standing traffic on the M6 waiting for something to clear. We don't quite know. And then I get through the standing traffic on the M6, and then I hit standing traffic on the M25. And a trip that should have took about six and a half hours lasted about three weeks. <laughs> and you're sitting in the car, and you're going, oh, for goodness sake. I just want to get out of the car. I mean, what would happen if you just abandoned your car in the M25? I'm going home. I've had enough of this. I can't do this anymore. People would think you're bonkers, wouldn't they? Just abandoning your car. But you feel like it. Why? Because you're in a moment of endurance. And endurance is rarely enjoyable. Come on, anybody there today? It's rarely enjoyable. Now listen to me carefully, Christian. Just because it's not enjoyable doesn't mean it's not joy. That's why we have to relocate where the joy is. The joy is not even in the journey. The joy is not in the experience. The joy is not in the moment. The joy is in the thing before. The joy is in the will of God. And when the joy is in the will of God, that means there are moments when you're stuck in the M25, literally or spiritually, and you go, stay with it. Why? Eyes are fixed on Jesus. Come on. There's no fun at the moment, but there is joy in the will of God. Are you with me? Do you, do you see the difference in that? And when we take our eyes off Jesus, Actually, the endurance becomes intolerable. And we will abandon the car in the M25. And many have. I've had enough for that. Don't want to do that. This is not fun anymore. And actually, please forgive me. Please don't be upset when I'm about to say, nowhere is fun promised. Life is Oh dear. All right, I'll move on to the next part. I better move on. Hope the band are ready with a good song. Okay, here we go. Here's the third idea really quickly. Fixing our eyes on Jesus is vital because Jesus teaches us that when our joy is his will, we can think against. Now this is connected to endurance. This is so, so important. Look at what it says. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, remained under it, and then it says, scorning its shame. Now look at this. Jesus is in the center of the will of God, and yet it's associated with shame. Wow. And that idea alone would be enough to like, whoa, I'm out, done. 
Elvis has left the building. I don't want to do this anymore. But actually, here's Jesus in doing the joy of the will of the Father is being led into situations where there's a shame attached to his, to his process and his, his journey. My goodness. And, and we know from the life of Jesus, some of that shame was around his birth. Some of that shame was around where he lived. Some of that shame was about the people he hung around with. Some of that shame was about the way he connected with the margins of society. And ultimately, some of that shame is the nakedness of the man being humiliated on a cursed tree. And all of it is the joy of the will of the Father. Anyone want to risk an amen? Wow. And the word scorning, or I love it, in, in the language of the writer to the Hebrews, it's even stronger than the English. The English is pretty strong, but it literally means this, to think against it's not just scorning, it's making a deliberate decision to think against the shame, to think against what's going on around me, to think against what's coming against me, to think against the words and the innuendos and the actions of others, thinking against. Why? Because I'm able to do that because I've got my eyes fixed on Jesus. I'm able to do that because I'm doing the will of the Father. So when my eyes are on him and when the joy is to do his will, I'm empowered to think against the stuff that's going on around me that would attach negativity and shame and discouragement to the will of the Father I am doing. There will be moments when Pam Billy will have to think against. Will you make a decision? No, I'm not accepting that idea. No, I'm not accepting that criticism in the, in the sense of trying to derail me from the will of God. No, I'm not accepting that opposition. No, I'm not accepting that thought because my eyes are fixed on Jesus, because my, my joy is to do the will of the Father. Therefore, I've made decisions to think against. And some things we just have to learn to think against because if we accept them, they will derail us from that will by taking our eyes off Jesus. And there have been moments in my life where I've had to think against what's around me. And here's how I've had to think. Who is Jesus? Who is he? John, who is he to you? Well, he's the son of God. He's the savior of the world. Right. Think against what's going on around you through that basis. John, why are you doing what you're doing? I'm doing what I'm doing because Jesus called me. Right, think against everything that is trying to derail you from the will of God in your life. John, think against those things through the vehicle of his truth and of his life. And if we learn to think against, we will run the race. Some things we got to think against. And there may be things right now in your world trying to get your eyes off Jesus. Think against them. Come on, scorn them. There may be, there may be literally physical opposition in your world to try and get your eyes off Jesus. Think against it, scorn it. Resist it because he is worthy of our praise. I'm going to ask the band, do you guys want to come and get ready? As I draw this to a close. 
Jesus had the joy set before him. What was his joy? The will of the Father. As a result of that joy, what happens? He has the power to endure the cross. As a result result of that joy, what happens? He thinks against the shame. And as a result of those decisions, what happens? Look at it. It says, he sat down. Fixing our eyes on Jesus is vital because he teaches us we can finish what we started. Look what it says. Who for the joy set before him. What did he do? He endured the cross. He scorned its shame. And then it says, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now that idea of sitting down means finished, completed, done. And there's a gorgeous little play on the imagery of Hebrews chapter 12. He starts off by saying, let us run our race. And then he says, look at Jesus. Jesus ran his race and finished. He sat down. He finished his race in the joy of the will of the Father. Uh, And ladies and gentlemen, we serve a God who not only finished on our behalf, but wants to help us finish on his behalf. Come on. Anybody can start. Starting journeys, starting races, starting walks, starting projects, starting as it were, ambitions, they're they're relatively easy to do. But finishing, finishing. And Jesus says to you and to me, I finished for you. Now let me help you finish for me. Come on, let me help you. Well, well, how are you going to do that? Keep your eyes on me. And it's interesting, the writer to the Hebrews begins with, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And we know who they are from chapter 11. People like Abraham and Noah and Moses and Gideon. I mean, they're all in the crowd. And Jesus, the writer to the Hebrews doesn't say, look at them. He doesn't say, look at Abraham when you're running. No, no, because if I'm looking at Abraham, then I'm looking at the gallery. No, no, he says, look at Jesus. Jesus is the one who's going to get you to the end of the race. Jesus is the one who will help you finish. Consider him. Consider him. Fix your eyes on him. And then it says, consider him. Let him not only fill your vision, but fill your mind. And here's what the writer to the Hebrews is saying. He finished the race for you. Let him help you finish your race for him. Let him help you. And one of the greatest ways we can allow Him to help us is by keeping our eyes on Him. Come on. And it's simple. It's so simple. It's so simple. And yet it's absolutely, it's now, you know, for me as a follower of Jesus, it's the bedrock of everything I am and have that I understand as I've never understood before. If my eyes are on him, everything changes. The good days, the bad days, and the ugly days look different and feel different because my eyes are on him. And when my eyes are off him, everything changes. The good days and the bad days and the ugly days all feel more than they should be and more than they are. But when I keep my eyes on Him, He makes sense of everything. Ladies and gentlemen, 
The devil doesn't care where you look. As long as you don't look at him. He, he doesn't even care if you look at me or look at Martin or look at Esther or look at Pam Billy or look at the elders or look at CLM. Let me tell you, that won't get you to the end of this race. You look at me, God help you all. You really will need the help of God because that's the problem. We look at Abraham, we look at Noah, we look at Gideon, we look at Esther, we look at people and people will always fail and let us down and stumble. That's what people are like, even good people. But Jesus, Jesus, Jesus will never let us down. Jesus has never let me down. People have let me down. Jesus has never let me down. Come on now, stand with me. The band are going to lead us, I'm sure, in a wonderful, wonderful song. But before we do that, I want to pray for you. And I know there are people in this room, you've been a Christian a million years. You know this stuff, but so do I. And this morning I got up at 10 to 5 and I opened up the Gospels and I looked at Jesus. I make a decision every day. Whatever's going on in my world, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Let your vision be filled with Jesus. And if your vision is filled with Jesus, I want to tell you, you'll endure whatever the cross is that you're carrying. Whatever the scorn is, you'll, the shame is, you'll scorn it and think against it. And whatever race you're on, you will finish it. One way or another, you'll finish if our eyes are fixed on Jesus. So come on, in the presence of the Lord, before we sing, lift up your hands. Let me pray for you. May the spirit of wisdom and revelation be on every single one of you so that we will know Jesus better. May the eyes of our hearts be enlightened so that we will know the hope to which we're called. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters, for those that are being distracted by what's around them. May their eyes today be fixed on Jesus. May they have the faith to look away from what's distracting them and to look at the one who will sustain them. Lord, I pray for those in this room, even things inside them are distracting them from you. Lord, may they have the faith right now to look away from what is distracting them and to look to you, the one who will sustain them. Lord, for those facing opposition in this room, may they have the faith to look away from the opposition and look to Jesus, the one who can and will sustain them in every moment of their lives. Lord, in Jesus' name, may our vision be filled by you. In Jesus' name, may our hearts be filled by you. In Jesus' name, may our thinking be filled with you. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that we will be men and women who will run our race with our eyes fixed on you. So let it be so in this church. Let it be so in individuals. Let it be so in families. Let it be so for every man, woman, boy, and girl that this will be a community with our eyes fixed on Jesus. In Jesus' name. You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory.